daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. And we are back inside the Gamecocks podcast daily report. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Thank all of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Uh, I know I did. I got to go to an XFL football game and my, my, my. I went to see the St. Louis Battle Hawks play the New York Guardians. And apparently in St. Louis, you know, they lost their team. Uh, the Rams, of course, moved back to L.A., and they're a little ticked off. So those fans showed up really big. It was like a big-time atmosphere uh, there at the Dome. I think it was called the Trans World Dome for a while. It's something else now. But, um, you know, just a, a, a real interesting type of experience, uh, I think, for me, uh, going to St. Louis, catching up with some friends and watching a little football. So that was a, was a big-time deal. Um, tweeted about it, and you can see the crowd sort of on my social media, at J.C. Sherbert, if you want to follow me. Uh, and it was a good deal. So over the weekend, Gamecocks um, basketball, and we're going to get into basketball more tomorrow uh, since there's a game with a preview and all that. We'll have the preview and all that in the morning, and then Tony and I will have a football insider episode uh, in the afternoon. Uh, but, you know, just kind of looking at it, you know, tough loss. Obviously, with that kind of crowd and that kind of support, I know you guys, you know, it's been tough, <laughs> you know, because the minute the fans sort of show up and everybody's excited and everybody was excited about this past weekend, uh, you know, the team doesn't necessarily come through with a victory. Uh, I don't know that that's all the time the case in basketball, but it, it's it's been kind of a trend in sports for a couple of years around Carolina. Um I did not think South Carolina played a bad basketball game Saturday night. I thought LSU was locked in, and that's a concern because they had lost four or five coming in, hadn't played their best, and you could tell they really needed this game with Florida on the horizon, and and they were locked in. Gamecocks were just a little off at times. Um, Carolina ends up, you know, going down with a fight, but going down 86 to 80. Obviously, the NCAA tournament chances are dwindling. Uh, at this point, I think there's, you know, probably if you look at the projections, there's still a way, you know, but but I think Carolina at this point will have to win out. And so you got Georgia, Mississippi State, Bama, Vanderbilt. All are winnable. Mississippi State games at home, that'll be a big one. At Alabama is going to be tough. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But just a disappointing loss, you know, not that I'm disappointed in the team or you know, anything like that. I thought that, that Mississippi State game was a little tougher just because every time the Gamecocks got within striking distance, it seemed there would be a bad play, bad shot, something like that. But, you know, LSU just on Saturday night was flat out better. They've got good players. You know, they were locked in. Um, you know, Carolina, you know, did not win. So that was my take there on that. Um not going to talk too much about the baseball series, which was not a good loss or went, yeah, not a good series. So they lost the series two to one to the Northwestern Wildcats out of the Big Ten. Um, thought Northwestern came in locked in. Maybe the Gamecocks weren't. And um, that's a tough one. And obviously, as we move forward through baseball season, we're going to get John Whittle on to talk to us about it. I don't have any kind of breakdown uh, on that. In fact, it was surprising, and I think that makes this weekend for Mark Kingston and kind of the the start to this season after what was a, a disastrous last year, you know, I think that makes this weekend against Clemson huge. I mean, you know, obviously they won the Clemson series last season. Things did not turn out well, but um, that's a big baseball rivalry 
and a big deal. Uh, and, you know, I think they want to make up for losing to Northwestern, win that Clemson series. Uh, people may, may forget it. Um, Will Muschamp, uh, and this is one of the reasons this is coming out kind of later in the afternoon. Will Muschamp uh, did his annual pre-spring press conference, went for about 43 minutes, which is longer for him. So I'd have time to kind of get through that. Um, you know, a lot of interesting things that he said. You know, first of all, you know, the analytics that he talked about, those are kind of obvious things, but obviously – I said the word obvious a lot there. Obviously, you know, those are things that have to improve. Uh, you know, everything from the red zone to, you know, everything. Uh, everything he talked about, turnover margin, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, football these days is a complicated sport to a certain extent. But it's really quite simple. You know, you turn turn the ball over more than you, you know, you get turnovers, you know, you better be really good or you're not going to win. You know, uh, you know, you don't score in the red zone, you know, you, you better be the 85 Bears on defense or you're not going to win. Uh, and that's just all there is to it. Um, so, you know, he went through all the analytics. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, talked about how they look at other schools, look at other things. You know, Mike Bobo, of course, the new offensive coordinator is coming in. Um, said they're going to be under center a little bit more, and, you know, that's to be expected. I will caution you, uh, you guys that are worried about it being, you know, his early Georgia offensive scheme, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and if you notice when Mike Bobo was at Georgia, and I've said this before, Mike, they kind of evolved. You know, I remember watching some Georgia, Carolina, and Georgia versus anybody in the mid to late 2000s, and, and that's right when he took over for Rick. And it was just, um, you know, it was grind, ground and pound, so to speak. You know, grinding gears. I, I, that's the type of offense I've always said absolutely will not work at South Carolina. But when you move forward past that, and you know, 2011-ish, 2012-ish, 2013. You know, Georgia moved the ball and scored points on a lot of people. And it was a very creative offense. Um, they did run it a lot with their backs because they had great backs. Um, but it, 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 Georgia's defense sort of took a step back, and that's why maybe why they weren't as good. Uh, but then again, that 2012 team, with the exception of getting beat down by South Carolina, you know, they were a play away from beating Alabama and playing Notre Dame for the title. I mean, that was a Mike Bobo offense. You know, 2013, they did beat the Gamecocks 41-30. Carolina could not stop them. The year before, 2011, Carolina did win 45-42, but they had, what, a uh, special teams touchdown and two defensive touchdowns? Um, and, and it wasn't just the Carolina games that I'm counting here. You know, they had games where, you know, their defense let them down, quite frankly. And it wasn't Bobo's offense. So, you know, look, I've said before, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach as far as my personal opinion goes. I'm not guaranteeing great success on offense, but I'm not saying that they won't be much improved. I do think that, you know, having someone with that type of experience helps, you know, a lot because I do think some of the issues with Brian McClendon uh, had to do with inexperience, you know, mainly when the other team – would counter with something, then there wasn't another counter. It was almost like if, if, if they stop this, there's, there's nothing else you can do. Um, and that's not a winning recipe uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I, I think in the SEC or against Clemson or, 
the teams the Gamecocks have to play on the schedule, uh, which are mostly SEC teams. So in the SEC, you could say that. Uh, you know, they reshuffled the staff finally, and this this was kind of you know something that took a while to finalize. McClendon staying on is going to stay at receivers. Bobby Bentley goes back to running backs. Uh, Joe Cox takes over at tight ends. Um, you know, I, I think Bobby Bentley is going to do a good job with the running backs. I've said it before, you know, part of what happened when he was coaching the backs was that they kept getting hurt <laughs> in games, you know. And so when you're hurt in games, then you're, you're going to play your third and fourth string guys at, at times where maybe the guy that got hurt um, – was rolling. I, I still remember a 2018 Ole Miss game. Tyson Williams is having a breakout game. Uh, most of his yards were catching the football. Uh, and, you know, he had 105 yards, I think, in the first half. And then, lo and behold, he breaks his hand. So, Mon Denson and A.J. Turner have to come in yet again and save the day. Um, so, I think he'll be fine. You know, McClendon at receivers, obviously that position needs work. And uh, the drops need to cease. The development needs to be there. Um, there's a lot of guys with question marks. Unfortunately, Rodriguez Davis is hurt again. Um, that's tough because I, I think that guy, you know, one thing I'm going to say about him, and, I, and it's frustrating, you know, it's, it's frustrating, you know, when you're following this program and you see injuries all the time and you get fatigued by it. I get it, fans, no doubt. But keep in mind, guys are human beings. And Rodriguez Davis, you know, to his credit – Will Muschamp mentioned this day, he's, not, he's never given up. Okay, I don't know that if this had been me, that I wouldn't have said, all right, football is just not working. I'm getting hurt all the time. I can't stay healthy. Uh, but that guy stayed in there. And, and, you know, we don't have but a small sample size back in 2016 when he was a true freshman as to what he can do on a football field in a game. But, you know, there are some plays he made. I mean, as a true freshman. I don't know, you know, like Will Muschamp mentioned today, football's a developmental sport, missing all this time. Who knows what you get when he comes back. But I do want to say something positive about the guy because I, I do know that you know, as a fan and just as someone that wants success for the team, a guy that gets hurt all the time, you're finally like, man, goodness gracious, he can't stay healthy. But, you know, keep in mind, he's not out there like hurting himself, you know. <laughs> These are just things that have happened. So, you know, I uh, I was encouraged just from a human being standpoint to hear he's still working hard. Other injuries for the, uh, you know, oh, before I get to that, I want to say something. He he mentioned this about the 2018 offense, and I, and I get it. You know, if you're Will Muschamp, your responsibility is to stand up for your guys. Uh, and he talked about, you know, it's only the whatever time South Carolina's had 400 yard average 400 yards a game. And that's true. And look, I'll say it till the day I die. The 2018 offense was one was number one, the best offensive unit Will Muschamp's ever had as a, as a head coach. And number two, it was extremely productive at times. You know, the offense won South Carolina football games that year because the defense had some struggles, especially down the stretch. And and what I think Will Muschamp's not saying, um, when he says that, because I know again you get fatigued sometimes, um, is. Something happened along the way in 2018, and I, and I don't know whether it was a, them just getting out coached. I mentioned the counter thing. You know, teams were countering what they were doing. And, and as you get more and more film, teams can start to figure it out. 
Um, nothing lasts forever in football. <laughs> you know, some offenses work for a while, then defense catches up. That's just the nature of the game. Um, and I think something in the second half of that Florida game, even with the big explosive explosion at Clemson, because if you think about that Clemson game, Carolina, the chances of them stopping the Tigers were slim. Okay. You had to score every play. They did a great job of getting in position to do that. But the bottom line is, too, look, you had two inside the red zone opportunities that you, you couldn't cash in on, knowing you had to score, you know, and, you know, that game instead of being 49-35 and then the game cost coming back, I mean, it was 28-point game in the third quarter. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the offense because everybody wants to, you know, get upset – you know, some of the haters out there, they, they, they want to say, oh, it's not a big it, it was a great accomplishment for the offense. And if Carolina had played decent defense, <laughs> you know, th- that could have been a titanic upset. But, you know, there were still some leaks in the boat. And then the Virginia debacle happened. The second half of Akron happened. And then this entire last season. Um, so, so I, I want to say that I'm not necessarily drinking the Kool-Aid here that 2018 start to finish was this offensive juggernaut that went up and down the field. I will say it was a good offense when it was clicking, and it clicked a lot. And I will say the offense was directly responsible for them winning football games. Um, It is a team game. I mentioned that Ole Miss game's 48-44, and the offense went up and down the field. But I'll also say this, you know, the defense shut them out in the fourth quarter. That's a good offense. Jordan Tamu, by the way, is the – the quarterback for the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks. <laughs> Got a chance to watch him play pro ball. He's a good player, really good player. So, um, you know, just kind of looking at that, you know, what Will Muschamp said about, you know, the stats from 2018, he's right. I mean, numbers don't lie. But, you know, there were some obvious games where you were like the, the offense just kind of went into a shell not went into a shell in terms of just ran it up the middle or whatever because I still maintain that they gotten in 22 personnel and just handed the ball off in that Florida game and melted clock. Florida would have probably, you know, because Florida was just running it. You know, Florida would probably have run out the clock on itself. Um, but the RPOs, you know, they just didn't, didn't quite work. So, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Mike Bobo and the evolution the offense takes because – I do think there's something to be said for um, situations where you just got to get under center and run the ball. I mean, you know, the the RPOs and all that are based on a read that's made by the quarterback, and then you run or you pass, and it's kind of an option deal. Muschamp also said something today about the RPOs specifically. Good question asked by Ben Briner. I like Ben because he always asks scheme questions, and um, he said, you know, you know, a lot of times it also depends on who you have running the football how special is he I think was the exact quotes and uh, we could all hope he's talking about Marshawn Lloyd (laughs) in that specific situation uh, and that he'll be pretty good you know so we'll see what happens I want to get back to this whole statistically best offense in history of South Carolina or in the last 15 years or whatever uh, in 2018 because it's kind of gnawing at me a little bit. And it's not, you know, look, Will Muschamp's job is to defend his program and to defend uh, the job he's doing. And I completely understand that. And heck, I defend him a lot. I, I defend the Muschamp staff have defended the hire from day one. Um, and I still hope uh, that he can be the guy that takes this program not only, 
you know, back to where it was under Steve Spurrier, but actually maybe accomplishes some more than, than Spurrier. Spurrier left some things on the table, as we've documented here, with the lack of winning the SEC East and things of that nature. So, you know, I I don't know that one bad year makes that all go out the window, but you do see a troubling traje- trajectory there, and, you know, it, it makes things that much harder. Um, give credit to the staff for the recruiting class they got. Um, we'll see how these coaching staff changes work out. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there's a strong possibility things will be better, but you just never know. Uh, but, but generally, uh, and, and I'm not taking exception to what he said, this is in general. I think it, it's one thing to say, you know, when his first three years came about, first coach to lead the Gamecocks to a bowl first three years, um, more wins than anybody else first three years. I think all that is fine. Uh, I actually mentioned those talking points. I agreed. I thought the Gamecocks massively overachieved at times during his first three seasons. But I, I don't think that that in any way explains last season and, or makes up for it or, or, you know, just says, all right, well, you know, you did all this. Uh, you kept it afloat the first three years, and then the bottom fell out in year four. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's a trajectory issue. So I, I wish people would, you know, stop saying that. Because <laughs> it's, 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 you know, we're right now, we're in 2020. You know, all that was after 2018, which did not end well. You know, it was a tough off season uh, after that game against Virginia in the bowl. But we all know bowl games can be tricky and all that. Then you open the next season with a loss to North Carolina and things just went downhill uh, after that, with the exception of beating Georgia, which for some reason happened uh, last year. I think the Gamecocks played really well in that game, and that showed you what that team was capable of. But, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, and I think this, too. I think too often at South Carolina, people use the history of the programs – uh, as this measuring stick, and, and I look, I think that's fine because you are who you are, right? And you know, I, I grew up in the '90s, in the '80s, followed those teams. You know, I guess '86 was about the first year I really understood football. Um, so I kind of came in the door with my, uh, you know, ability to kind of watch the games when Todd Ellis was the quarterback. Um, those teams, man. And if Carolina got to a bowl game, everybody was happy. And, and so I never look at a bowl season as a failure because it fundamentally isn't. You know, the 2014 year, that team was not a great team, lost to Clemson. But that team also beat Georgia and beat Florida. Must champs last SEC game there, I think. And did get to a bowl and beat Miami. Uh, you know, so finished seven and six and – you had three games in the division that if they would have had any kind of defense at all, <laughs> they would have ended up winning those and winning the East. Um, and, and so even seasons like that, you know, I don't, you know, I don't ever take them for granted because next thing you know, you take them for granted and you're four and eight. <laughs> and then that's not good. And you lose to a, a Sunbelt team at home and you lose to North Carolina, a team from North Carolina for the first time this century. You lost twice. So, you know, in my opinion, you know, it's fine to look at the history and all that, and it's fine to say, well, 
This is one of the better offenses South Carolina's had. That's fine. You know, Steve Spurrier statistically did not have great offenses all the time at Carolina. Um, won a lot of games, though. And so I get it. You know, and, and on offense specifically, South Carolina has never been what, what you would call a juggernaut. You know, the Gamecocks' best teams usually have a good defense. That's just kind of the DNA of the program um, in terms of the at least the SEC era. So, you know, when I look at it, you know, I, I get it. I get the point, but, but that's, that's not even a, you know, that, that doesn't change the fact that 2020 is a huge year. You know, one bad year when your starting quarterback gets hurt, senior quarterback, you know, first game of the season, your other guy's obviously not ready. Um, obviously, you got a play caller that, that was kind of in over his head. You know, all that could be cleaned up, but, but you don't have, you know, five, six years to build it, start building it again because you've already had four. You know, and I don't think anybody expects that. Uh, but my point is, you know, I, South Carolina needs to get back on track next season. And how are they going to be able to do it? I don't know. You know, we're about to go through spring practice and do some position breakdowns. I'll say that I think uh, I think they've got a shot. I think a lot has to come together. I think the beginning of the season schedule is is good. It's coming at a good time, you know, because they need some good things to happen. This football program on the field during games needs good things to happen. There's been good things that have happened off the field, but there has been for four or five years now. They need they need a good, strong start on the field. Uh, and then I think people will start kind of, you know, coming back around. But, you know, everybody's fine with what happened through 2018 with the exception of some games here and there that, you know, maybe they shouldn't have lost. You know, but, but I don't think anybody's sitting around going, ah, 2018 was, uh, you know, one of the best offenses in school history. It was one of the best offenses the Gamecocks have had in a while. But that offense still got shut out, you know, in the bowl game. Couldn't score the second half against Akron. Um, you know, had trouble in certain parts of games. It, it, I mean, a, a juggernaut it was not. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a good first year for McClendon as a play caller. I and mean, I thought Jake Bentley played better than maybe he was, um, you know, criticized for at times that year. But – you know, obviously, after the Florida game, after blowing the Florida game, after the Virginia debacle, after the second half of the Akron game, there was something wrong that was not addressed. And I, I don't know what it was. You know, my guess is people started getting film. You have smart coordinators around the country. You know, they make adjustments when the execution isn't perfect, when you have drop passes and things of that nature. It kind of goes downhill. But... I just, you know, I just don't think right now is the time to break out the, oh, well, historically, you know, this is one of the better offenses when, you know, that, that season, you know, and I understand lots of injuries on defense, all that season ended seven and six and as a big disappointment. You know, there's some games that could have gone either way, but it was a disappointment and the disappointment continued into 2019. You know, this is something that's not just – you know, exclusive to last season. You know, you ended the first – you ended 2018 poorly and it just kept right on going. You know, so that stuff has to change. Like I said, I'm not going overly critical with what the guy said. Facts are facts. Stats are stats. Um, And and I don't know, maybe you guys didn't mind it or whatever, but I I don't know that many people want to hear about – 
you know, the offense two years ago being one of the best right now when, you know, there, there's been struggles on offense overall, you know, for a couple of years. And, you know, he was pointing out that kind of, I think, talking about Bobby Bentley being the running backs coach and McClendon at receiver and all that. And, and look, I, like I said, I have no problem with that at all. You know, no problem with Bentley going back to running backs. You know, Brian McClendon's position obviously has to get better. Um, and maybe it will with him just focusing on receivers full time. And Mike Bobo's calling the plays. You know, Eric Wolford, we've talked about him as offensive line coach a lot. You know, some people want to literally, you know, crucify the offensive line coach every time somebody misses a block. Uh, I continue to say it's unrealistic when you're playing against the defensive lines the Gamecocks play. Even the best offensive lines in the country at times when you're playing, you know, an athletic defensive line, you know, with a high level, they're, they're going to have struggles. You're not always going to get the fourth and one. You know, South Carolina's not the only team in the country that loses of the battle on fourth and inches. You know, that's just uh, part of it. So, you know, I, I, I know Eric Wolford's unit as a whole last year had some problems. That's obvious. They were young, and, you know, I, I keep tracing all that back to Maxwell Ayama having to go on medical. You know, they were thinking he was going to be a guy that could play as a freshman and then potentially start at one of the tackle positions in year two. He has to go be a medical red shirt or a medical, uh, I guess, medically dis- disqualified, retired from football. Um, and so then when you have an injury like you did with Dylan Wanham, you're left with the same situation you, you had before where you got to play true freshman. And Jalen Nichols, I thought as a true freshman, had some good games. Uh, it was masked a little bit at times. I think people kind of figured it out. You know, Ja'Kai Moore played a little bit. Um, and Muschamp mentioned today all those guys are going to get a lot of reps uh, with Dylan Wanham out with a hip injury this spring. Jazden Turnantine, the defensive Juco offensive tackle coming in too. But anytime that happens and you're dealing with new guys at guard, um, you know, you're going to have your days where you, you're not great. And I think, I think some of it, though, if you think about the run blocking portion of it, you know, offensive line played pretty well at times, paved the way. And I, I think that's a good sign for this coming year, especially, you know, you get Marshawn Lloyd, Kevin Harris going um, in the backfield. You know, Zaquan Dre White ends up being good. You know, I you, you can run the ball. You know, I think this offensive line can open some holes. So, you know, I, I think not all is lost up there. So, I mean, I get it. I get it. And 2018 was a good offense. I just don't know that that's kind of what you want to use right now. I just want to make you want to say maybe, hey, it's a new day. We're hoping to be really good on offense this year. Um, and I know what the numbers said, but, you know, we all watched that team. Uh, obviously some great offensive moments, um, running and throwing the ball that year. But then obviously there were some games where you just you didn't quite understand what was going on. Uh, in terms of of that unit being being down and not playing well, you know. So I, I'll comment on that. I, I don't know. Like I said, it kind of just kind of getting to me. I was like, well, that's. I agree, you know, with with mentioning stats and being positive, but I mean, that's just kind of. I don't know. I, I just I don't know that I would have mentioned that uh, in my opinion. So that's uh, that's that. Rodriguez Wilson coming in. Uh, I think it's a, a great hire for the Gamecocks. You know, just thinking about recruiting within the state. Uh, he's from Cross, South Carolina. Everybody I've talked to that knows him thinks he's a stand-up guy. 
uh, and has a Super Bowl ring. I mean, I think that could be a big-time addition at linebackers coach. Muschamp said he's helping him with the linebackers, teaching him the terminology, all that good stuff, and, and that's fine. Uh, but Rodriguez Wilson's also going to help on special teams. I guess there was a little bit of chatter about why isn't he helping on special teams when um, he was announced, but that's definitely happening. He's going to help Kyle Krantz, the, the new Game Packs, new special teams coordinator. And we'll see how that works out. You know, I, I like the move because I, I like the fact that Rodriguez Wilson is a guy that makes sense for South Carolina. He's a guy that's worked in the state. Uh, he's a guy that played at South Carolina. Um, he's he overcome a lot, overcame a lot as a player, moving from quarterback to um, to the defensive side of the ball. Um, heck of an athlete. Picked the Gamecocks over Penn State. Lou Holtz era guy. Um, tough, hard nosed player. When he was playing, played in the NFL a while, and then obviously got into coaching. So I think Rodriguez Wilson, um, when you kind of looked around at who you could hire, you know, that was the guy I think that, uh, you know, you'd probably look at at the top. We'd been mentioning him for a while. So good hire there. He also mentioned Drew Hughes, the new recruiting guy. Like I told you, there's not that big of a drop-off from Matt Lindsay to to Drew Hughes. I mean, there's really no drop-off. They're really kind of the same guy in terms of, you know, how they roll. And uh, Muschamp mentioned it's a seamless transition. I tend to agree, you know, just go get the, you know, go get the same guy. I mean, he's basically the same guy. They're both really, really good, really talented people uh, in terms of that line of work. Um, yeah, they went through the, the, the injuries, and Colin Hill, the quarterback transfer from Colorado State, is going to be out for the spring. He was asked about the quarterback competition. I'm going to say this. I'm going to throw this out, and then we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, I would not be surprised to see Colin Hill make a push for the starting job. And a lot's going to depend on, like, Halinski's progress within the system this spring. And that's something to keep an eye on, you know. Ryan Halinski, as highly rated as he was, as talented, rawly, you know, raw talent. Uh, I think the guy's got a big arm and a lot of ability. As good as he was as a prospect, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not an open and shut deal that he's the guy next year. Um, he's going to have to go out and work for it and earn it and progress and run the system. Now, I think that if you look out there in offensive coordinator land, there were some guys that we were talking about that could be good fits for the job that probably were not nearly as good of a fit for the for Ryan Helensky as Mike Bobo. Okay? Mike Bobo, you know, if you just ask me, in my opinion, and, and remember, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach as to how good – the offense can be. Um, if you'd ask me, just you know, are, you're, are you who are you hiring this for? Are you hiring it for Ryan Helinski or for South Carolina? And I say Mike Bobo will be up there for me for just hiring for Helinski. So I, I think that you know Helinski. If you look at the fit there, that's a perfect fit, in my opinion. You know, some other guys probably I'd say, well, probably his system would fit Luke Doty better. And I'm hearing great things about Luke Doty as well. They're excited about him. But he's a freshman. So keep that in mind, too. Um, You know, and then you have Colin Hill that uh, has a lot of experience in the system that's going to be coming off an ACL. So that's not always um, ideal. But, you know, he's a guy that I think could, you know, play a factor if Alinsky does not just. Grab the bull by the horns, take the one. And, and look, 
in fairness, he can grab the bull by the horns and do everything he's supposed to do. And and per, but but he's got to progress. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want it to sound like, you know, Ryan Holinsky needs to get it together or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, if you have a great spring and you leave everybody in the dust and you're clearly the starter and you're Holinsky, that's good for the team, in my opinion. Because there's no question the guy's talented. And, you know, if not, I think Colin Hill will push him. Maybe even Luke Doty will push him. Um, And I I think they're probably all going to push each other uh, when you're talking about it in a literal sense. But in terms of actually having a chance to be the starter, you know, this thing gets into the fall. Alinsky doesn't progress as much as they'd hoped. Hill is healthy. You know, the term run for your money comes to mind. And also, if Luke Doty makes so much progress that he's ready to roll. You know, so we'll see what happens there. But I'm going to say I'm going to make a, my, my first my, – my only big prediction for next year's team personnel-wise is – Marshawn Lloyd will be the starting running back day one. And, and I could be wrong about that. You know, I could, it could be White. It could be Kevin Harris. You know, nobody, you know, sometimes people aren't too fired up about starting true freshmen. But I'd, I think Marshawn Lloyd's got the it factor with him. And so barring injury, I think he'll be the first, first guy at running back. And uh, my next prediction, don't feel as strongly about this one as maybe uh, – Maybe I do the running back spot, but that you know this quarterback, the quarterback situation, you know, could be a battle for the starting quarterback job at South Carolina this year. Could be a battle. After spring, I will say it will or will not be a battle. But I'm I'm looking at that um, and very very curious to see Ryan Holinsky, Luke Doty, um, and how they go. I guess this spring, Jay Orch also back at. Quarterback full-time, apparently we don't have to worry about him at receiver anymore, so I'm not. Um, <clears throat> I heard maybe he just didn't really fit at the position. So uh, there's a reason he's back at quarterback, and that's good because they need guys there to take reps anyway. And, and who knows, he may he may end up getting a whole lot better, whatever. So he's a good kid, and I, uh, I wish him the best. But uh, he's back at quarterback as well, so we'll see kind of how all this goes. Spring practice starting tomorrow. Uh, complete coverage on thebigspur.com as always. Don't forget tomorrow, daily report. We'll talk a little basketball on that one. And then Tony and I will have the football insider report in the afternoon. You know, the game got basketball that night back on full schedule this week for the, uh, you know, full schedule for this week uh, here on the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.